right, so we are uh, again July 31st, 2021. I'm here at 1256 with Dad. And Dad, we're going to be talking today about your father, which will actually be a combination of your biological father and then uh, uh, Leo, who your mom married later in life. So we'll kind of, we'll try to kind of blend those together as we can, but we're going to start with your biological father. And so can you just start out by giving us some of um, the details about him, his name, uh, if you know anything about if he was named after anyone or when he was born, where he was born? Okay, well, so... Well, if I'd have done my homework, I could have gave you a lot more detail, because I actually found his birth certificate online one time. Oh, that's okay. I don't know where that is right handy. But anyway, he was born um, on December 21st of 1921. Um, let's see. Um, and his name was? Oh, his name is uh, Quentin Almer. Q-U-E-N-T-I-N. Quentin. Quentin. Okay. A lot of I think, but I think a lot of people called him Quint. Like with an I. Yeah, I think like you'd pronounce it with an I. Okay. For a short nickname, but uh, but it's the right spelling is Quentin. Okay. So. Um, do you know? Do you know who his parents were, or you know if, where they lived? If they were immigrants or where his heritage is. Do you know any of that? I don't have a lot of family history, but I think, I know we got, I know that's where I get the German side of me. But I don't know that, I don't know that my dad's parents were both German, or one certainly was probably full-blooded German, one might have been half and half. Okay. Never really talked that much about it amongst my relatives, so but I always knew the German part of me and the German part of of my name. Okay. Um, obviously, I have German blood. And I think there, and Mom can confirm this, but I think there's a few pictures that Mom has up downstairs in the family room of uh, maybe of your dad. Or do we have a picture of your dad's parents, maybe? Uh, a larger not. framed one that used to be in the hallway? No? Uh, no. I mean, I, there are some, I think I got some pictures. I know I have some pictures of my dad and my grandma. Or even my, gran, my grandma and grandpa. Okay. My dad's parents. But I don't know that I necessarily have any. Yeah. Who is this one? Mom is here pointing to a picture going up the stairs to the bathroom here at 1256. That. Who is that? Is my mom's mom's. Parents. Okay, so that would be my great grandparents who I never knew and never met. Okay, well, where I got the story wrong on that. You can edit that out, Dad. Back to your dad. Uh, so you don't know a lot about his parents or if they were immigrants or anything like no. that, where they were from, German. No, that the only thing I know about his parents are maybe stories I kind of heard in the background. So my. Probably stories that maybe Aunt Jackie knew more about him than I did. Or Now, uh, say who Aunt Jackie was. Oh, Aunt Jackie was married to my dad's brother, uh, Dick. Okay. And we'll get into that My more. Uncle Dick. And by the way, in my day, 
and never called any of my uncles by their first name without prefacing it with uncle. Yeah. It was considered disrespectful just to say Dick or Roger, or that was something someone their age could do, not not us. Yeah. So, not that it has to be that way now, but that's yeah. just the way it was then. Okay. Um, so, anyway, I don't know why I went there. So, uh, so if you, my dad's parents, um, one thing I know is, uh, I think, I don't know that they had a very good marriage. Um, I don't know all the details. I think at first, at first, maybe he was, as most men were, they were the, they were the king of the roost and whatever they said went. Later on, I think, it might have been after her son was killed in the war, and I think she ended up with the money from the insurance or something, somehow. I don't remember the details. One way or the other, she had control of the finances. And anyway, they didn't, they lived in the, let's just say they lived in the same house, but they didn't have much of a relationship. Now, this would have been later years, while, say, while the years while I was growing up. Okay. But I'm sure... I'm sure the relationship couldn't have been all that good while my dad was growing up either, if it had digressed to this. Okay. So she, I remember in the years where I was growing up in the 60s, he lived in the house. He was allowed to live there, but he did not. When he was time for him to eat, he'd have to come down. They didn't eat together, nothing. They they didn't have anything to do with each other, really. And this would have been your paternal grandparents that you're remembering. Yes. Now, you mentioned that uh, your grandmother lost a son in the war, so your dad had a brother that was killed in World War II? Yes, and his name was Gordy. Do you know I might have even died? been my dad's twin. I think my dad was a twin, and I think Gordy was his twin brother. Do you know if he was an identical twin, or...? Not identical. Okay. So and there are some pictures. I have some pictures of that, say, on my computer. Okay. From... From uh, my my brother Dan, not too long ago, scanned just about all the family pictures that we okay, had okay. from my mom. So he would be in some of those. Um, Do you know how Gordy died? Do you know how he served mm, or any of those details? I should know. I think it was somehow in combat. I, I had an impression. I should preface this a little bit. Um, but I think everybody in my dad's family were in, went into the service. Yeah. During World they all maybe Uncle Roger, my Uncle Roger was the youngest, mm -hmm. and maybe the war was done by then. But even he went into the service anyway. Okay. So at, at there is I remember my grandma had a my grandma Almer. Yeah. In her living room had a all the pictures there in their service uniforms. Okay. So they were all, and I think there was even an article done in the Green Bay Press Gazette about how this, the whole family had served in the military. Oh. And that might even be somewhere in something Danny scanned. I, I'm not sure. Well, if you find it, let's link it to this interview if you find it. Okay. But, okay. So anyway, yes. Yeah, so my dad was very much a, I mean, he was a young man in World War II, and he served in the Coast Guard. I'm probably getting ahead of things because we're talking about my dad's parents. That's okay. I guess I'm kind of rambling on about things I remember about my dad. Yep. But if I try to remember earliest, uh, I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to go a little bit chronological of things I might know about my dad. Okay. So, I think my I think my 
grandfather was pretty much a strict disciplinarian. Uh, he wasn't too much do anything fun with kids or anything. Kids would just you do what you're told and that's it. Yeah. Um, children are be seen and not heard. Blah mm-hmm. blah blah blah. I heard. About, I don't know about my dad ever getting any whoopings, but I'm sure he must have got some. Uh, probably somewhat severe. Mm-hmm. I know my uncle did. My uncle Dick did. Was now? Are you are you suggesting like he was abused or he was? I don't. I don't know enough to say that he was abused, but I know it was common to use much more physical discipline in those days with your kids. Like yeah. it was not uncommon. Take your belt off and whack him with the belt a few times, and even if you left a few welts, no big deal. Yeah. Uh, by the time I came, I was very strong. But me personally, I was very strong. Even my dad, he never, he never whooped us. No. Uh, uh, so I was always strong on corporal punishment, but never something where you'd leave welts or anything. But I think it was not uncommon in those days, and not considered child abuse necessarily, unless you really whooped the tar out of him and they had to go to the hospital or something. Yeah. At any rate, I think, I think my grandpa could be somewhat harsh. Mm-hmm. I don't remember him being very tall because he was quite old by the time I was a kid. I, I helped my grandpa sometimes to, um, he, he used to raise rabbits. Mm. Uh, I don't think he really had a job. He just made a little money on the side and maybe whatever little social security he might have had or something. Yeah. That's how he made a little money. And he would raise rabbits and uh, he'd butcher them and, and put them in a nice plastic bag and everything. He'd sell a few to the local grocery stores, even like really A and P maybe, or the, or the Red Owl store. So they put a couple of them in their meat case whenever rabbits, rabbits, and uh, oh my, my mom would buy a rabbit from them once in a while. Where did they live? Did they live? They lived in De Pere? Well, they lived in De Pere. They lived in West De Pere, really only a couple blocks from the college. And he would have he had some gardens around there, but that's not where he raised his rabbits. He raised his rabbits, actually, on the east side of Deep Pier. Actually, not. It's, I mean, now it's all residential, but at that time it was up. It was up on Webster, about where the Abbey is. There okay. was a place called the Kegler's Club. I know we'd always turn down that street. We'd go maybe half a mile, and and that's where it was out in the country already. Yeah. Half a mile from there, you were out in the country, and and that's where there's some old shack of a building. Where he had some rabbits. Somebody else owned it. Mm-hmm. Was letting him use the building, and he knew the guy, I guess. But anyway, uh, you I, helped him with his rabbits. Yeah, well, see that kind of goes into more detail. That's too. okay. But so he would always look to see if he could get a little help with his rabbits, and and he. Uh, so I remember my. My brother Steve was the first to help him with his rabbits, and Steve always got to help him with the rabbits. And Steve always he made a little bit of money, you know. He always said he'd pay a quarter an hour, five cents an hour. And uh, so, so Steve, um, and, then, and I was just a little—I was a year younger than Steve, mm-hmm. but he got to go first. And then I thought, you know, that looked like fun, and I—I I wanted to go, and I was still pretty young. But finally, it came to the time where I could go too. I remember going with Steve in my grandpa's old truck. It was an old panel truck, all kind of rounded, you know, because it was made in the 50s. 
and uh, mufflers all shot, you know, and we'd make this immensely loud noise in, inside the cab, and it would just vibrate you, and he'd shift another gear and go, it was so loud. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, um, so I remember feeding these rabbits. I mean, I remember details about, I mean, just. This is fascinating. If you want it. We want it. Okay, so. I can remember my first time in there, and I think there was a little, there were coffee, metal coffee cans, and coffee came in a metal can, and uh, uh, they had water in, and then I think there was a little bin you'd stuff some straw in, and he might have gave them a little grain, too. Mm-hmm. So he would do the grain, cause, but he, but he, we had to go in, dump the water, give them fresh water, and stuff some straw into, the, into this bin. And go down the row and get all the rabbits. And I remember just first learning about it. Oh, can you pick them up? And, yeah, you can pick them up. I think he said, how do you pick them up? Well, you can pick them up by the ears. Well, I don't know if he was just... I don't know if he was just trying to get me to learn a lesson the hard way or what. You don't pick a rabbit up by its ears. Because those... Their hind legs can come up above their head. And scratch you. In fact... I saw where he actually had a big scratch on his arm from one of the rabbits one time. It must have got him pretty good, but he was the one that butchered him. But anyway, uh, so I picked up a rabbit, and I got scratched, and like, I didn't want to pick him up no more. And later on, I found out if you pick him up further behind off the scruff of the neck, then they couldn't get their legs around to get you. And so I learned a little bit about where not to, where how to pick up a rabbit and don't pick him up by his ears. Oh, my goodness. Uh... And I, I just remember, I was remember asking Steve questions because I wasn't sure what to do. And yeah. He kind of, it was like he knew what he was doing, you know, and I, I always depended on, on, on him. And Steve's attitude toward me was always kind of like, most of the time it was pretty much, I almost felt like I was annoying him with my questions sometimes, mm-hmm. but if I needed an answer, I had to ask him. Yeah. He'd give me an answer, but it kind of like... <laughs> Never with a smile on his face. Yeah. You talked about that a little bit in the last interview we did about your siblings. I think it was his nature. He just didn't, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Not not that Steve was a bad kid or anything. No. But he just didn't like his little brother annoying him all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can be annoying. Anyway, what else? uh, I remember a lot about this rabbit stuff. I mean, so we'd he'd go in and give him the grain. He'd take a couple of the rabbits... Should I tell you how I butchered them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, nobody knows that your grandpa raised rabbits and you helped him. Okay. This is all new. So he'd always pick out a couple of rabbits he figured were ready to be butchered. Two or three, maybe even four. He had this board there somewhere off to the side. And he'd grab that rabbit and hold it down. He had a ball-peen hammer there. And he'd just bang it on the head a few times. It would kick a little and he'd hang it up and let it bleed for a while. So he'd smash the skull, basically, smash the skull basically, with a hammer. That's how, I guess it was a pretty simple way to just butcher it. I mean, you got to kill it. You're going to butcher it. <laughs> but I'm seeing this as a little kid. Oh, this is how he kills rabbits, you know. Did they make noise? Uh, not that I remember. I don't think rabbits can make too much noise anyway, and I'm sure it killed them pretty quick. I mean, that was a fast way to kill them. I mean, butchering any animal, when you really think about it, if you were going to watch it, it's gross, so... So you'd be there for the butchering, and would you help? Well, he he do he would know. Well, not not the butchering or anything, but 
he would do, he would give them the grain and he'd butcher a few and Steve and I were still going around giving water and stuff. Mm -hmm. So then he'd take them rabbits, uh, he would take them rabbits then down over to the house and down in the basement. There's an old guy that lived there that I th I'm sure he knew as a friend or whatever. Let him use his basement. So he'd hang the rabbit up in the basement on a rope and he'd skin the rabbit and clean the rabbit and he'd put it in the salt water and he'd get them all nice and fresh and clean and into a bag. And uh, so after Steve and I would get done feeding the rabbits, we'd go down in the basement and watch him finish butchering. We got to watch him butcher the rabbits. And then he'd bag them up and bring them to the grocery store? Yeah, in clear plastic bags. And uh, he'd bring them later. He didn't bring them that. Because usually in the evening, so he'd probably bring them the next day. Mm -hmm. He'd probably get them on. He'd probably put salt on them and stuff. And he'd probably put them, you know, he refrigerated them, I'm sure, right away. So that's as much. So now a little bit more about the grandpa and the rabbits. And a few times he wanted to get us to help him with his gardens, too, because he had various gardens. Now that would have been in Westy Pier that he liked to grow some tomatoes and vegetables. And I think he tried to harvest some of that and sell it to the grocery stores, too. But he was one to take a kid somewhere. Like I remember once he took us to work in one of his gardens. And, and uh, so he got, gives us each a hole and he's... And he's he holds up a few weeds. He says, so this is how you hold up the weeds now. So you take care of that, and then he'd go off somewhere and do something else. And he expect us to have a bunch of this done. Well, it could be just me, but I think it's most kids. It's like, you start hoeing a little bit for wild weeds, and it's like, you begin to realize, this is boring. It's hot out here, and this kind of sucks. And it wasn't long before you'd get some blisters on your hand, too. It's like... Why did I sign up for this? For a quarter an hour. <laughs> for 25 cents an hour. And then he would say, pay you 25 cents an hour. But then when you were done working for him, oh, I don't seem to have... Sometimes he would pay us. He did have some shame, but other times he didn't. He'd say, oh, I'll have to get you next time. Next time would come, he wouldn't remember what he owed you, and he wouldn't pay it. He didn't pay it. And I don't know that it was deliberate. Maybe he just didn't remember but we remembered as kids that we, man, I worked for him. I worked for him four hours. I should get a whole dollar, and all he gives me is 50 or 75 cents. Yeah. And you're expecting to have more than that. And you, he's my grandpa. I can't say that's not enough. Yeah. So it wasn't very long then when we were conveniently not around when we saw his truck. If his truck was parked outside the house, I did not go home. Hmm. And if I heard his voice or I thought his truck rolled up, I disappeared. And he'd ask for help from my mom. And uh, my mom wouldn't make us. But she'd, once in a while she'd say, oh, why don't you help your grandpa? Because she probably was embarrassed. He'd probably ask, can I get, get a couple of your boys to help me? She would probably have to always say, well, I don't know where they are. So you think she knew that he didn't follow through on paying you? Oh, yeah. She yeah. knew that stuff. And yeah. So she didn't blame us, really. Yeah. So I'm glad my mom didn't make us go yeah. and help him with this stuff. I'd rather play anyway. Than get... So that's my story of my grandpa and his rabbits and everything else. Dad, this is great. What about, do you have any memories about your grandma? Not a lot of memories, but I do have one that was somewhat somewhat, uh, that may be a little too, well, it sticks in my mind. Yeah. I don't have warm memories of my grandma. 
Hmm. Of my grandma Homer. I don't ever remember her being real. And she'd raised enough kids, too. I mean, you know, she probably had her fill of kids. But um, one time I remember, it might have been my mom maybe had to go to the hospital for some reason. Maybe it was to have one of my brothers. I was pretty small at the time, and I think at the age of being potty trained. But I think I, I, think I was pretty well trained already, supposedly. So it was determined that Dolores, my older sister, and I would stay at Grandma's for a day or two. Okay. I remember she set up a bed for Dolores and I. It was, uh, it was a, a single bed. Uh, call it twin bed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but she, or it could have even been a couch for all I I don't remember for sure. It might have been just a single bed. But at any rate. The only way we'd both fit on, so one would have the head on one end, our head would be on the other, and we could yeah. fit better that way. And Anyway, I guess I peed the bed that night, and I remember her scolding me pretty good about it and complaining about how she had to clean my, wash out my clothes and all of that. And mm. So that's all I remember, just mm. about being scolded for peeing in my bed the night I stayed with her. Yeah. And uh, so I remember just going there sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think my mom, if she might, I don't know if she said this in her story or not, but, uh, you know, in her life story, which is yeah. okay. But uh, I remember my mom, when my mom and dad got married, uh, grandma, my grandma Homer was not happy at all. Because mm. my dad was single, was marrying a divorced woman. Hmm. And in the Catholic Church, that was a one-way ticket to hell. Hmm. And uh, so she was not in favor of that marriage one bit. And and I guess my dad got into a pretty good argument with her over it and told her what's what for. Mm -hmm. He said, well, I don't care what you say, I'm marrying her. Mm -hmm. Probably stormed out. Maybe they didn't see each other anymore for a while. Hmm. I seem to remember my mom saying that after they got married, after a time went by, my mom pushed my dad to reestablish a relationship with her. Mm. I think my dad had cut it off. Mm. Fine, I'm done with you. Mm -hmm. Or maybe she cut it off too, I don't know, but he wasn't. Yeah. Um, so she was maybe kind of a difficult woman in some ways. Yeah, and I think what she had her mind made up, I mean, I don't know a lot about her personally, but I think if she had her mind made up about something, that's the way it was. Mm. I mean, even her treating of grandpa was... I mean, he may not have been the greatest man in the world to live with either. I don't know that. But just mm -hmm. to say, I'll let you live in this house, but you're going to... I don't want you eating down here when I'm eating. You can come down after we're done eating and make a sandwich or whatever you're going to do. Mm. And I, by the way, my two, two of my uncles lived there the whole time. They were single and lived there. So that was Uncle Roger and Uncle Armin. Okay. Who, uh, my... Uh, Uncle Armin was my godfather, I guess. Well, he was, yeah. And and my Uncle Roger, though, I was probably close. He was one of my favorite uncles. Okay. He was a nice, gentle-natured guy. Yeah, I remember he him. He was great. Um, Did they then they stay there. in that house then? Yeah, it was my grandma, my grandpa, my Uncle Roger, and my Uncle Armin. And, uh, and they lived there until, in a way... Till my grandma died, and my grandpa at some point did move out, and my uncle Dick kind of 
moved to an apartment, and my uncle did kind of help take care of him. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um, so. Okay. Yeah, that was the. That was the. Yeah. I have some memories of that, but yeah, not no, that's that, and that I mean that lends another, you know, layer of understanding to your dad too, which we'll we're going to talk more about. So now. I could, if I go back to some chronology on my dad, I think my dad was always very interested in electronics, mm. uh, electricity, and such, and he was good with that kind of stuff. He was also pretty pretty gifted mechanically, and that's probably where I get a lot of what I have for that. Yeah, <clears throat> he he um. And I think he and Gordy, this is back in the 40s, but they used to, they used to, whatever they could get their hands on, play with the radio stuff. Then back then it was just tubes. And if you could get a radio station, I don't know if they really had any short wave thing going on or if they were just playing with radios or what, but probably whatever they could get their hands on. Yeah. And, uh, and my dad, I think when he was in the Navy, he was in the Navy, the Coast Guard, and I believe, I believe he was a mechanic. Probably helped keep the diesel engine running on whatever boat he was on. Okay. But he didn't, I don't think my dad saw any action, um, uh, like a couple of my uncles did. I think Gordy, I think Gordy was probably killed in action. Okay. And I remember, here's another memory, I guess, related to Gordy and the war and all of that. I remember sitting at the table one time as a kid. My mom would make us chop suey sometimes. And, uh, but my dad wouldn't touch it. He didn't want nothing to do with it. I don't want anything. So I, I, I assumed that my dad had a kind of a negative feelings toward the Japanese mm-hmm. because of the whole war and his brother dying in that war yeah. and everything. Yeah. I think he may have gotten over it. Um, maybe later on yeah. he started to get over it. But I mean, I don't know. I was only 10 when he died, so I never really got to know my dad that well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so that was my dad growing up. He got interested in electronics. That's why he was probably real close to his twin brother. They had similar interests. Mm-hmm. I think it was probably pretty hard on him when his twin brother got killed in the war. Um, so then, uh, and here again, I guess the stories are in my mom's telling of, of the stories of how my dad met her and they met at a I think my uncle Ray, which was my mom's brother, knew my dad. Okay. Uh, and 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 this was after my mom had gotten her divorce from her second husband, who was a terrible, who treated her terribly. Earl. Earl. Her first husband died in a war from sickness, not combat. And, uh, second husband, she had to divorce because he was just horrible. Beat her up, but there was no man to be able to raise her kids around or anything. Um. So anyway, he introduced, he kind of hooked my dad up with my mom, and and, and actually in a kind of a kind of a cute ways, he said, "Well, he he was he was at, he was going home early from the bar, asked you know my mom was helping him, and she was a bartender, and then she asked he asked her if she could close the place up, and then asked my dad, could you see that she gets home safe and whatever, and of course my dad was I'm sure very happy too because. I think he was pretty enamored with her. Yeah. And so anyway, that's how they got hooked up, probably through my Uncle Ray in the bar there. It was a bar in Westy Pier on the main street there somewhere. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they got so they got married and, uh, and had us kids. Um, 
now memories that I have of my dad as I grow up. Uh, probably one of my earliest memories I can think of. A couple of early memories. One memory I do have is of my dad. My dad was home in the evening sometimes, but I think a lot of times too, I think he did like to go to the bar. But maybe only when he had a little extra money that he could. Because my mom had to, I think, manage the money pretty much. Mm -hmm. uh, to make sure it got managed more responsibly. <laughs> not, not that my dad was a bad, bad guy, but you know, he probably just didn't always think in terms of taking care of all the details to see that the ship stayed afloat. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think he knew that my mom would manage the money better. Mm -hmm. if, that we would have better, you know, better chance of the family getting along good if my mom managed the money. At any rate, uh, a, a memory of me. I remember jumping on, my, on him in the couch. He was on the couch and he'd let us kids jump on him. So we must have been pretty small because you can't let that go on. I know from experience that can't go on too long. Once they start getting bigger, it starts to hurt when they jump on <laughs> Yeah. But I remember a time or two, you know, being able to just, my dad lay down on a couch after, after a meal. Maybe the TV was on and, and let a couple of us littler toddlers jump on him a little. And I yeah. remember that. One other memory I remember. Uh, it's the only time I ever remember my dad holding me. Mm. I mean, my dad was not a hugger, you know, and men weren't usually. Mm -hmm. uh, they weren't mushy mushy at all. That was for women. It was not considered manly to be all that. Maybe it was considered more feminine if you were that way or something. So I don't ever remember my dad like giving me a hug or anything. The closest thing I can remember to that is one time when I, I was upstairs. We had a two-story house and I was upstairs and I think I was pretty small but I was crying and I guess my mom couldn't go up maybe she was busy with something couldn't go and get me told my dad to go and get me so he went up and got me and I can distinctly remember being carried down the stairs with him mm. and but it felt good to be that close to him and him holding me mm. and being and being you know kind of showing kindness and gentleness yeah I, I wouldn't say my dad, my dad was, I wouldn't say he was unkind or, or not gentle in any way, or he wasn't a mean man or anything like that, mm -hmm. but he just didn't normally show those kinds of emotions. So I usually thought of my dad pretty much as a sort of a disciplinarian. Mm -hmm. uh, when he said something, you better do it. Uh, he wasn't going to, even in his own words, you know, he wasn't going to put up with any bull. Mm-hmm. You know, when he said, he had some, he had some terms that he used. Maybe they were from the military. Yeah, let's you know, hear them. Like, like um, when something, like when the, when the nonsense was going on and he was putting an end to it, he said, all right. Or maybe we were upstairs. Maybe it was time to go to bed. He'd come in and he'd say, all right, time for bed. Kaput, pull the pin. Now that's, that's like from a grenade. Yeah. You, if you're going to, okay, you're going to put an end to something, you throw a grenade and blow it up or whatever, whatever. Kaput. Pull a pin, everybody up the hill. Well, upstairs was our bedroom, so that was up the hill. Kaput, pull a pin. Bedtime, everybody up the hill. And we didn't argue with him about it because you weren't, you knew you don't argue with him. Yeah. Especially a little kid. So we knew that we do what he says or there will be swift repercussion. Yeah. And uh, my mom wasn't quite, my mom 
probably was more of a last, last resort to use some corporal punishment, but she mm -hmm. was usually just yelling at us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if my dad was home, it was like, we knew that we had to be more behaved when he was home. Yeah. We knew if he was even down in the basement, he'd probably be down in his workroom working on a motor or something he was tinkering with. Yeah. We knew if he heard trouble upstairs, um, he'd probably be up there and say, excuse my French, but what the hell's going on up here? Yeah. Like, we knew it was all over. It's yeah. like, okay, we better get in line now. Yeah. Can you think of any other sayings that he would say besides the one you shared? Uh, well, it was a personal term he gave me. He called me roundhead. Now, I think that was a term in the Navy. They might have used for some sailors or whoever. I don't know. I know it might have something to do with the rivets in the ship. I don't know, but I don't know if it was affectionately, but maybe somewhat. When something was, when somebody had fooled around with something and broke it, it was usually <laughs> me. Because I was tinkering to see it. So if something was broke, I'm sure at least more than once. I mean, I can remember this in my head. He'd say, it's that gall down roundhead. And that we knew that meant me. That was you. It's that gall down roundhead. I thought, am I going to get spanked for this? But I didn't. Yeah. I remember once, fooling with a light, bunk bed, ceiling lights, bulb in there. I wasn't trying to break a light bulb or drop it and see what it sounds like. I didn't want to break the light bulb, but I did want to see how that worked to screw it out and screw it in. Mm -hmm. Well, I screwed it out and I dropped it and broke it. I guess my dad found out about it. God darn roundhead, you know, he's always got to be fiddling with something. If it was the TV, there were a couple of knobs on it, and there were some knobs in the back you shouldn't touch, but not me. I got to see what them knobs do. Mm -hmm. Or... Whatever. Yeah. So if the TV was messed up, said gall darn roundhead. Yeah. You told the story of when you did break the TV and your mom got and you out of a story, jam. My yep. mom saved me. Mm. I thought, cause my dad told me to leave that TV alone. And this was our new TV. So I, when I when I broke that, I thought it was just a knob coming out the back. But when yeah. I broke that, I thought, I'm really going to get, I'm going to get spanked for this one. Yeah. But my mom saved me. Got yeah. The repair anyway, um... Was there anything else? I remember. I should say one other time that I think I got in trouble. <clears throat> um, my dad had this grill. It was kind of a square grill. I think it was a post that was all the way into the ground, so it wasn't a portable grill. <clears throat> had some kind of a cast iron grate on the top. But I'm just a kid. Big enough, apparently, to pick that grate up but not big enough to know much about metals or whatever. So this is cast iron. Cast iron is a somewhat brittle metal. So I picked up it off the grate, and I threw it on the ground, but it hit a, it was a rock in the ground. It hit that rock and broke it. Ooh. I thought, oh. Well, just play dumb. <laughs> just play dumb. Uh-huh. Well, I was there when my dad looked down there and saw that broken grate. It, it was probably might have been the next day or something. How the hell did this happen? Something to that effect. Yeah. All right, who broke this? And, of course, my answer out of my mouth was, I don't know. Yeah. I think he thought I did, though. 
but he couldn't prove that I did, and I didn't own up to it. <laughs> <laughs> so he yelled at me anyway, but not knowing for sure that I broke it. Yeah. And I didn't break it up just to like, hey, this would be fun to break. Right. I just it picked it up and threw it on the ground. I didn't know it was going to hit a rock and break. Yeah. Well, his grill was shot. Yeah. That was the end of that grill. So, um, but I remember my dad. He was very, he was, um, he was good, uh, mechanically. Here's another picture I got of my dad. So now you know where I get some of what I got. Yeah. So we had this, I'm sure my dad couldn't afford a new lawnmower, but you could get an old used one. So in those days, they had some lawnmowers. All the lawnmowers were a pull. <clears throat> but a lot of the lawnmowers, it wasn't a pull and it recoils back in. It was a rope with a handle on it and a knot on the end of the rope. And there was a ring up there on the top with a notch in it. You'd hook that rope into that notch, the rope that had a knot so that it would mm -hmm. hold, wrap that rope around there, and then pull it. If it didn't start, you'd hook that in there, wrap it around again, and then oh. pull again. And uh, I think my dad had, had enough of that. <clears throat> and it probably didn't start real easy anyway. It was old. It was an old used lawnmower anyway. My dad had a good-sized electric drill that he used to do electrician work, which, by the way, he was an electrician mm -hmm. at, at Lawton's Foundry. So he was good with electricity. He was their electrician at the foundry. He, um, so he, and sometimes he would do electrical work for people that needed some electrical work done in their house, save some money. I don't know if he was a qualified uh, electrician or not for doing whatever, but it doesn't matter. He made a few bucks on the side and somebody else got Anyway, he had a big drill for drilling holes through studs. You could put a good size bit on. Anyway, it's a good it's a good size drill, I guess to make a long story shorter. He he rigged up a bit on the end of that with a socket on. He put that on the top of the lawnmower. He plugged in his drill and go and that thing would turn it until it started. To turn it rather than the rope. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want a side note to that, I did something similar when I had our big snowblower. Yeah. I didn't I didn't always start it this way, but, but it, it was getting hard to start sometimes, that big snowblower, and I thought, I know, I'll do what my dad did. So I had a pretty powerful drill, not as big as the one my dad used, but it was still big enough to turn a motor. And I got a and I got a and I made a drill bit. I made a bit on the end of a shaft to put in there. Take the cover off of the, where, where you have the recoil start. Take that off to expose the bolt. And I put that on there, and I tried to use that, but it actually got to be more trouble than it was worth. So I, I didn't do it, but I attempted it, and I guess it came out of my memory of seeing my dad start an engine that way. How recently did you do that? Well, that would have been in the 80s. Okay. But I think in one of my toolboxes, I still have that homemade bit <laughs> that's got some, might have some glue on it or something. I could maybe find we, it and show it to you. If we can find it, we will put it in the show notes. That is a piece of history, Dad. Well, after this, after this interview, if you remember, I think I can find it pretty quick. I'm sure and you can. You can take a snapshot. Okay, why well, I've made a note here. Uh, let's circle back to your dad's occupation. You told us where he worked, do you know, and you also mentioned he was in the service. So 
Can you tell us about his occupation, where he worked and how long? Did he enjoy it? Anything you can think of? Well. Did he have a college education? No, no. Eighth grade, I think. Really? My mother had high school, graduated high school. My dad didn't get past eighth grade. Which would have been common in his time? Somewhat common. Okay. I think. I think back in his day, if you went to college, if you went to high school then, it would be more like going to college now. Um, I don't think a lot of kids went past eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Would have they, been like they in had the thirties. It was much more of a rural community. You needed your kids to work the farm and all that kind of stuff, or yeah. whatever. But I mean, he didn't. My dad didn't live on a farm. But I suppose my grandpa had work for him to do anyway. I think my grandpa always kind of did worked with some gardens and stuff. Yeah. Uh, somewhat agriculturally mm-hmm. tried to make money. I don't know what else my grandpa did to make money. Uh, of course, I only remember him in his older, probably retired years. Maybe he just did part-time stuff that could make him a few extra bucks. But, um, well, so would your dad have been self-taught as an electrician then? I think a lot of it, yes. Very much probably a lot of it. Self-taught playing around with stuff with his brother Gordy. Yeah. But then I'm sure he got a lot more training when he got in the military. Okay. So I think he learned a lot about engines there. I think he, I think it was the diesel engines he had to probably work on and certainly found out more about electricity and stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, he even, I guess, to relate his mechanical ability, even at the time when he died on the snowmobile, which I know we'll get to later, um, at that time, he thought if he could just learn a little bit more about these snowmobiles, because it was kind of a new thing then, people mm-hmm. get snowmobiles. He, he thought maybe he could maybe make one himself. Mm. I don't know if he could have done made that great of a snowmobile or not. But I'm sure he could have made something that would have worked. Yeah, sure. Um, so he worked as an electrician after he served in the military? Is that right? Yeah, I would say after, but not right after. I think my mom said that he drove a... Uh, I think it was like a, a gas tr- or an oil truck or something. They used to go in those days. A lot of the homes were heated with fuel oil, mm-hmm. and these uh, fuel oil trucks—not huge, but you know, good-sized truck—would go around to the houses, pull a big hose out, and fill their tank up with fuel oil. Mm-hmm. And I think he drove one of those for a while. Uh, I don't think it made a lot of money, but it was making something. Money was always pretty tight for us. He never made big bucks, but then he. At some point, he, he did get a job at C.A. Lawton. Uh, it was a foundry right there in Deep Pier. Is it still there? It's The building is still there. It's now apartments. It's a okay. brick, brick building. If you have any idea where the shop co was in Deep Pier, the building is still there, the shop co in Deep Pier. And oh, yeah. Right across the street from there was, oh. was C.A. Lawton. Okay. Uh, it's apartments now. So... Um, I remember one story he told. He was pretty, he was pretty mad about it. Uh, I don't remember where I was when he, I overheard the story, I'm sure. But I can tell he was mad because he, being an electrician for a company, you'd go, you'd put a lock tag on something. If you're going to cut the power and go work on it, you put a lock tag on it. But I'm, I'm pretty sure there was some kind of a lock tag on it, or at least a tag. Maybe they didn't have a lock. Maybe they just only put a tag on. Nowadays, 
there will be a lock on there, so nobody can switch that power on. Mm-hmm. So if it's off, it's off for a reason. But anyway, some way or other, however it happened, my dad was working on something. Somebody thought they, they didn't have any power for what they were doing, and they went over there. And Maybe there was only a note, but I think he pulled it off and turned the power on. And my dad got, he didn't get, I think he got jolted. He didn't get almost killed or anything, but he got jolted. And boy, was he mad that that guy took that, ignored that tag and put the power on. Yeah. Um, and one other memory I remember, you again, my experience, my memories of my dad, for the most part, was just kind of being somewhat of a disciplinarian, you know, just behave yourself. That's he just behave yourself. That's all he asked. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't want kids making a lot of trouble. Yeah. So, you know, we watched our P's and Q's around him. We knew what he would put up with and what he didn't. Um one day I think my dad forgot his lunch. And my mom I was old enough to ride a bicycle then, I knew where it worked. And my mom said, Can you bring this? Bring your dad forgot his lunch this morning. Can you bring this to him? Yeah. So I I did. And I went there, and I, it's kind of a big deal for me. I don't know. I, walk in a, I never walked in a plant before, and I opened the door, and I told them who I was. And, of course, they all thought I was cute. And uh, and um, I brought, and so they called my dad, and, you know, and there I was with his mailbox. And, and I remember he asked me if I wanted a candy bar because they had a candy machine in there. And it's like, I mean, I don't remember my dad asking me, you know, sometimes when we went to a bar, it was my mom running the show. She'd say, all right, you can all have a soda. Yeah. She would pretty much take care of that. But I never had my dad personally asking me yeah. if I wanted a treat. And that felt pretty good. I thought, my, you know, my dad was being uber nice to me there in, in his workplace. And yeah. And his boy. And yeah. So it was a good memory for me mm. of, of uh, oh, my dad's a pretty nice, he's being really nice to me right now. This yeah. feels good. Normally at home, it's like, you know, he, he didn't say too much, or he's basically say cut the crap. Although I don't think that was a saying he used. Yeah, that was anyway. Well, when you're in a big family at home, you're part of the masses. But when you're just that, you know, that's you relating with your dad by yourself. It's right, right. That's the than, other thing. Yeah. And my dad was a good man. I mean, he 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 was he worked hard. I mean, he he had he, he had some. You know, he had a few. What do you call them? Uh, Rough edges? Yeah, or uh, what's the thing where you're, the things where, like, if you're a smoker or you're this or that? Oh, uh, addictions? Not addiction, no, Vices? that's not the right. Huh? Vices? Yeah, something like that. Maybe that's too strong a word, word but probably the hardest one for him was maybe maybe he did have a little more to drink than he should or yeah. could have spent a little more time at home than he did. But it ain't like he ignored us, or it ain't, and he never, even, even though I talk about my dad being a disciplinarian, I can't remember more than probably less, maybe once, not more than two, three times, maybe that he ever even gave me a spanking. Mm-hmm. And when it, when he did, it was it was with his hand, and it was a couple of swats. In fact, the only time specific time I can really remember getting a spanking from. And I don't know if I told this in the story with my mom or not, but I'll tell it now because yeah. it's more about my dad. Yeah. I think I did tell it with my mom, but it doesn't matter. You're getting it again. Um, 
My grandma lived in the neighborhood with us. My mom's mom lived in our neighborhood. She had a gas stove, but it didn't have an autopilot. So she had to, whenever she lit her stove, she needed to light a match to light it. She had a little match bin, or a little bin on the wall full of stick matches. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there was always a lot of stick matches in there. I always knew there were enough matches in there that if I took three or four, she'd never know. And after all, this is fire to play with. Yeah. This is, I know that I'm not allowed to play with fire, but it's so fascinating. Surely it couldn't hurt for me to light off a few matches. But I knew I better not get caught. But I, so I had grabbed a few matches off of there and then I went home with them. And I didn't know my dad was home. And, uh, I was in the backyard and I had those few matches in my hand. I was probably looking and these were matches that light on anything. If it's a rough surface, they'll light. Yeah. Uh, so they don't need the box with them. Yeah. And I remember I come around from the back of the house. My dad came around from the front. And all of a sudden, I threw my hand behind my back because I had a hand I had a handful of matches. Not full of matches. There was enough that I could hide them in my hand. Yeah. But I, if I would have been smarter about it, I would have just grabbed them tighter and not look, not look suspicious. But I, yeah. just, I just immediately... Close my hand and put it behind my back. Well, that was a giveaway. My dad says, well, what do you got there? Oh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me see. What do you got there? I said, nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let me see what you got. The more I resisted, the more he was going to see what I had. Yeah. He had to physically wrestle my arm behind from behind me in front of him, force my hands open, and there were the matches. He gave me about three hard swats on the rear end just with his hand. It wasn't that bad. Scolded me real good and mm-hmm. said, now get in the house, you know. Yeah. And I I remember coming into the living room. There were people in the living room. I don't, you know, maybe my brother and sisters. I don't know who. But I didn't want them to know that I just got in trouble. Yeah. My dad. Yeah. So even though I was pretty shook up and yeah. probably my heart beating 90 miles an hour, I came in and tried to look nonchalant. <laughs> but anyway. Wow. Well, and you, if your dad died when you were 10, you couldn't have been that old. No, no, you know? I might have been eight or nine. Yeah. Um, but I remember, too, my dad and my dad, I remember watching him solder. I mean, you know about soldering. I taught you how to solder, I mean. Mm-hmm. So I always, I could, I would see my dad sometimes soldering something. So I thought, oh, that's cool. He can join metals together with solder. And, uh, wow, he can really do the stuff. But soldering is not welding. Right. Um, soldering... Solder only sticks to some metals. Some metals solder won't stick to. Uh, it won't chemically bond with it. And um, but I didn't know that. And I had some busted toy with some metal part in it that needed needed to be refast. I Dad, can you solder this? He said, you know, he looked at it. He said, No, that ain't gonna work. Solder won't work on that. But I just thought, I I was thinking he probably just doesn't want to do it. Mm. So I kept nagging him to do it. Uh, I think I nagged him a few times, but he kept saying, he didn't, you know, he didn't, I didn't get in trouble. He didn't scold me or he didn't yell at me or nothing like that. But I just remember me thinking he just doesn't want to do it. Yeah. And, but actually I think he was right. It was probably two kinds of metals that uh, solder wasn't going to stick to one of them. Soldering was not going to work for this, but I didn't trust him with that. Yeah. I thought I knew better. (laughs) The classic kid brain. Oh, should mine. I say another the memory of my dad? Yes. Okay, my dad in my workroom. <laughs> this one's kind of funny, I think. 
So my dad, uh, a lot of times he'd go down in the basement. He had a little workroom and he had a little workbench. In fact, I should say this right now. One time my dad got a brand new, a brand new vice, brand spanking new. Is that ever a nice vice? Well, that vice is on my workbench. That blue vice. The blue one? Yeah. And Mike knows about that, so Mike might, when I go on to glory, Mike may. Mike wants it? Might have a primary fight over who gets that vice. I don't know. But uh, you guys can fight it out. Okay. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's been here as long as. But, and I got a couple of hand tools that say Quentin on. My dad uh, engraved Quentin in there with some kind of, you know, bzzz. I got one of them myself. So I got a couple of tools out there that have Quentin written on them. They were my dad's. Okay. About three tools that I could find right away. We'll put this all in the show notes. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, okay. So I'd go down and watch my And, I, of course, it fascinated me. I, I wanted to watch, what is my dad doing? He's working on stuff or whatever. Yeah. Um, and But I remember... My dad, everybody drank milk then anyway. That was your staple drink at your meal. Yeah. Almost nobody even <clears throat> drank much water. I guess you either water or milk, but most everybody was just drinking milk. That's what you drank with your meal. We always drank milk. And so did my dad. My dad always liked a good tall glass of milk with his meal. But <clears throat> we all know what milk can do to you. <laughs> Watching him down in the basement, he'd let some go. He'd let some gas go and it's like, Oh, I could hardly stand it. <laughs> but I wanted to see what he was doing. And I knew I couldn't say, I didn't want to say anything negative to my dad about, Oh, Dad, you really stink. <laughs> so I just kept my mouth shut and bore, <laughs> and bore with it so I could keep watching. But I thought, Oh, Dad, I wish you wouldn't do that. <laughs> That's funny, Dad. Uh, and he, And he also... I remember him doing welding his own trailer one time. He got the parts. He made a trailer. He had an he had an old electric welder, and that stuff would the, the light up the whole backyard where he was. And he'd say, "Don't you look at that light? That'll hurt your eyes." Yeah, and he was right. That'll hurt your eyes. He said, "Don't you look at that light?" You know, when you're a kid, you still want to. This is something, you know. Yeah. I didn't hurt my eyes with it, but I still glanced a little once in a while. But yeah. I didn't look stare at it. Sure. And uh, so I remember just him doing stuff like that. Um, now, your dad was really mechanically inclined. Can you, if you were going to highlight some of the neater things that maybe he built or fixed or modified, what comes to your mind? Was he a, did he collect a lot of stuff? I or? wouldn't say there was a lot of stuff. I mean, he had, he had, he had a, in his workroom, most of it was a, there was a pile of junk. Mm-hmm. I remember he had a grinder on a stand, and when he'd grind something, I'd see the sparks fly. I thought, that's pretty cool. After You know, I didn't touch that grinder. I knew I wasn't allowed to touch that grinder. But after he died, you better believe that sometime Danny and I were using that grinder if we had something to grind or this or that. Yeah. That's how I ground my pennies, but that's another story. You know that story, don't you? No. Huh? You never told that. Side note. <laughs> this doesn't have anything to do with my dad. Well, Although, kind of. Don't you remember me saying how I ground pennies to the size to the size of a dime, and I and I would use them in a in a so I could use a penny in a dime machine, and I at work at school. This was high school, so at high school, it probably been my later year, like junior senior. They had apples, 
an apple-only vending machine in the school, the first vending machine, and they would sell apples for a dime. And I used a couple of them in there to get me an apple. You ground pennies down to the size of dimes? A penny is close to the size of a dime, but if you grind off just the ridge all the way around and you can do it close enough to keep it nice and round, a dime will work as a penny. A penny will work as a dime, and of course now there aren't any slot machines to take pennies or, or dimes anyway, but that was one of my more dubious things. Oh my goodness. But that's the Dad. grinder I used. To, mm, <laughs> mm, you know, I probably, it was way more work than it was worth anyway. Yeah. And I finally thought, you know, if I put too many pennies, I didn't, I don't, I bet you I didn't get more than a handful of apples ever out of that machine anyway. And I thought, you know, I better quit doing this because if they see a bunch of pennies coming in through this machine, they're going to, somebody's going to start looking to see who's doing this. Yeah. I'm liable to get caught. I better just stop this. Yeah. I think it was the Lord warning me. Oh, Stop my. Stop being dishonest because you're, oh, there's always that sense that if I keep doing this, I'm going to get caught. Oh, my. There was a part of me that wasn't always a thief, though. I mean, I wasn't necessarily a thief. I would never steal anything in a store because I knew if I ever got caught doing that, that would have been huge. Police get involved. I stole something out of a store. Yeah. So... I almost never did that, although I think once I even did that as an older teenager. I guess as I got older, I thought if I could get away with something, I'll just go ahead and do it. Yeah. I shouldn't go there. This isn't about me. It's about my dad. Well, that's okay. We got more questions. Uh, do you have any comments about your dad's feelings about food or cooking or anything having to do with, like, the house, the housework? Any stories you can think of? You mentioned the thing about chop suey. What kind of memories do you have about your dad and the more domestic things in the house? Well, obviously my dad wasn't all that domestic. Yeah. And those, pretty much in those days, women did the housework. That mm -hmm. wasn't something men did. But I think there was one time somebody, need, the dishes needed to get done. And I, my mom, I think, had her plate full and she couldn't and she told us kids to do it and maybe we didn't quite know what we were doing and, and my dad said, come on, I'll show you how to do dishes. You know, he probably did some dishes when he was in the military or something. Who knows? Yeah. And, of course, he had his manly way of doing it. That is not, this isn't hard. Come on, I'll show you how to do this. Yeah. You know, and he went through how he did it. Yeah. I just remember him. I don't remember quite how he did it. Yeah. Do you remember any, like, favorite foods that your dad had or that he really liked? Or, you know, was he a big coffee drinker or... I know you said he liked to stop off at the bar. Yeah, he liked beer. Yeah. Definitely liked beer. That was probably his drink of choice. Uh, he uh, uh, probably, yeah, not, not so much, I guess. I don't remember so much. Although, yes, wait, I remember a couple of, he, he always liked to every now and then eat a can of sardines. Mm. And I usually beg him to get one. I figured if my dad likes it, it must be good. Yeah. I don't mind a can of sardines to this day. For most people, they're kind of gross. But yeah. I'll eat a can of sardines once in a while. Maybe it's nostalgia. Yeah. Also, my dad, once in a while, he liked a can of oyster stew, which was a, a soup, I guess. And it came in a little can. It was smaller than your standard Campbell's can. It's a little smaller than that. My dad, my mom would buy a couple of cans of that, but it was just mainly for my dad. Okay. It wasn't something we could... You know, she bought it just for him. Yeah. But uh, I remember asking him, can I can I try some of that? You know, he had something the rest of us wouldn't get. Now. Yeah. I want to try it. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, he said, you don't like this. I 
Oh, can I try? Oh, okay. Give me a taste spoon of it anyway. Spoon of it. He said, you won't like it. It's sandy. I guess it did have a little fine sand in it because of the oyster. Okay. But, but uh, I liked it. Yeah. Sand didn't bother me. The, what little sand it was. Yeah. Uh, it was probably real fine sand. Uh, so, uh, something else I know I want to tell. About, oh, about my dad. Now, this isn't food, but this is ritual. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in 1960, my dad died in 64. Mm-hmm. So, this was early 60s. Might have been 62 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, for his birthday or something, it might have been a Christmas gift, I don't know. He got a transistor radio that was this uh, size of a cell phone, only thicker, of course. Yeah. And maybe not quite as long. It might have only been that tall. Okay. Not as long as a, as a cell phones we typically use. And it would be a, probably at least an inch thick. Like a can of sardines. Yeah, about the size of a can of sardines. That would be a good size, yes. Yeah. And... But that was that was high tech. Mm-hmm. To have a radio in the palm of your hand mm-hmm. was high tech at that time. Yeah. And he had his little transistor radio. And at mealtime at noon. Now a lot of times, if my mom was doing a, sh- my mom worked at Millprint, a mill, and and she had shift work, and so uh, sometimes she was on a shift where she couldn't make lunch for us. So obviously we took our lunch then. But uh, when she was working a shift where she could make a noon meal, she made a noon meal. And you'd you know, come home. We'd come. We'd have a whole hour for lunch break. We'd, I'd come home, eat my meal, and go back to school. My dad would come home from C.A. Lawton and eat with us and go back to work. Would he drive or would he walk? He would drive. Yeah. Yeah, he would drive. Walking okay. would take a little longer maybe than you need that, you know, because it was a good three-quarter of a mile, I'd say. Okay. To walk, it takes a little while. Not that you couldn't, but... At any rate, so I remember a good number of meals sitting at that table, and 12 noon, everybody's got to shut up or be quiet. Nobody's talking. My dad turns on the transistor radio, Paul Harvey news and commentary. And that... And Paul Harvey... If you ever dig in, you could you could listen to something on YouTube. I've listened to him. He had a very a very good commanding voice. Yep. He was very good at at at, at how he commented on the news and how he said the news. He knew how to pause. I mean, he, the guy was gifted. Yeah. And uh, so that my dad had to hear Paul Harvey, and so we all listened to. Okay. Paul Harvey would always end. Paul yep. Harvey, good day. Good day. But we as little kids, we weren't quite sure. Did he say? What did he say? Good day, or did he say could they, or would they? <laughs> I don't know why. That's funny. But my dad and Paul Harvey, yeah. So was the noon meal the kind of the main meal in your home, or did you typically all eat supper together too? We would all eat supper together as well. Okay. Um, and even if my mom was working, I think my grandma then. She only lived half a block away. Yeah. So, or one of my sisters, but I think my grandma was usually there when my mom wasn't. I think my grandma was. Okay. And we'd have to, we'd all sit down. We all sat down for a meal. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to sit down as near as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, was your dad a smoker? Pipe or cigarettes or cigarettes for a while? Yeah. So was my mom. Okay. 
Uh, In the house? Both eventually quit. What's that? In the house? Oh, yeah, yeah. Anybody that smoked, it was considered an insult. If somebody came into your house, I mean, you've got an ashtray for them. Yeah. To ask them, would you smoke outside would have been an insult. Mm. You just put up with it. Yeah. Everybody smoked and you and you put up. If somebody smoked, they smoked. You just put up with it. Yeah. Um, but he did quit. I don't know if it was, they got, it was, figured he was throwing away too much money or he knew it was just, I, this isn't good for my health. Yeah. But both my mom and my dad smoked for a while and then quit. Okay. They didn't stick with it. Hmm. It was very popular at that time, especially early 60s. Yeah. Uh, do you think you could uh, put words to how your dad showed you that he loved you? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I knew that he loved us. I think I knew that he loved us just because he was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have been there more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could have. I guess I I wouldn't have minded to have a more a deeper personal relationship with him than I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was there for the family. He mm-hmm. made an income. He, he you know, was he good wasn't to your mean. mom. He was good to my mom. Yep. Uh, he was a, he was a good man. Mm. Uh, never, you know, we, we lived. We lived in a safe home, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, I just I knew my dad loved me, but I I knew it wasn't just a quiet, not a showy kind of love. Mm-hmm. But I I you know I never doubted that my dad loved me. Yeah, maybe that's the best I can say. Yeah, uh, there was one time when the house was being remodeled. Uh, and this is a good story maybe about my dad, but it's something where I knew that he loved us kids, mm-hmm. um, that we were, well, whatever, I'll, I'll explain the story. You know, I mean. So we were in a long, long process of remodeling the house. Right. And my dad didn't, my mom always kind of, you know, let's just hire somebody and get it done quicker. But the money was so tight. And I think my dad didn't. I don't want to spend all this money. Besides, I know I can do it. And mm-hmm. Him and his and his brother, and sometimes a few other people now and then for a special project. I remember one or two days were one Saturday or so where there was quite a few men around there helping with something. We needed more manpower, but most of the time it was my dad and my uncle Roger, slowly but surely working on the house, trying to remodel this and remodel that. Yeah. Um. So. Anyway, in the course of, there was a chimney that ran from the basement all the way up through the center of the house, basically. And they were in the process of getting rid of all that. But there was still some chimney up on top. Now, how can I say this for the tape? Let's see. On ground level, my dad was on ground level in the kitchen where the chimney ran through there. My youngest brother, Steve, who was probably just a young toddler, young, quite a young toddler yet at that time, probably not more than three years old, maybe four. Mm. But he was up there on the second floor, but there was a hole because a lot of the chimney had been removed already. Mm-hmm. Most of it had all been removed already. My dad was working on something there in the kitchen part, and my brother, Randy, who was just a little toddler, was on the second floor 
But that was just a hole, too. And he was just looking down through that hole, looking at what my dad was doing down on the bottom floor. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there was a piece of chimney up higher yet in the roof that let loose and came down. Hit Randy in the head. Hit my dad. I think it hit my dad even worse. Because I remember my dad, my dad had some broken ribs over this. Mm. But my dad knew that Randy was up there. And when this happened, it didn't matter that my dad had broken ribs and probably blood coming down his head, too. But he went upstairs like a flash of lightning to get Randy to see how he was. Mm. So, but I remember my dad even walking with some crutches for a while after Mm. that because he did a number on him. Yeah. He recovered from it, but it did a number on him. Yeah. But anyway, that was an example of parental love, like something happens to my kid. Yeah. Nothing, nothing else matters for me than for me to see how they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, what would you say are things that you learned, either, you know, skills that you have or even just kind of things about you that are part of who you are that you feel like you got from your dad, things you learned or inherited from your dad? Well, I think very much, uh, especially Danny and myself, Danny's an engineer at a radio station. Danny got into electronics maybe even more than I did, of course, but um, that definitely, my dad's interest in electrical and mechanical things Mm -hmm. um, was... uh, and me just watching him and then me kind of carrying on, putzing with all that stuff in the basement along with my brother Dan even after my dad died. Yeah. Had, there was plenty of junk still in that basement for us to putz with. Yeah. That my uncles didn't totally clean out. Right. At any rate, uh, definitely those are, and I think probably my dad was, anybody that's good mechanically or whatever, they're very analytical. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm very analytical about things. Mm-hmm. So I think I got a lot of those qualities uh, from my dad. Mm. Maybe I have to sometimes wonder, maybe the softer side of me comes from my mom. Yeah. Yeah. And I often, like I said, I often heard people comment to say I look like my mom. So I never heard anybody compare me that much to my dad. Yeah. But I did have a lot of, I used to help my mom. If something was broke, I mean, after my dad died, something was broke. And I was the oldest that had mechanical fixing, fixing ability. Yeah. It was always, David, can you fix it? Well, I'd take it apart, see if I could fix it. Yeah. But I got that from my dad. Well, and we still all come to you with our with our things that need to be fixed. I should say one more thing. I was a story I was going to mention about the contraptions my dad made. I remember my oh, dad. Oh, yeah. We had, <clears throat> our house was in the process of being remodeled, and we had one big area. What what you remember of the house in De Pere right now, the kitchen dining room? Mm-hmm. Well, that was all unfinished at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was even before we had our fire. But my dad, my dad made, he took something out of an old electric dryer, clothes dryer, the heating part of it, I guess. And he somehow had that on a stand. And it was, and there was, I know you had to plug it in twice. One plug, I think, probably did the heating element, and one plug probably did the motor that blew the air. But it was like it was like a standing unit to blow hot air. It was it came from a clothes dryer, 
And my dad had that rigged up and back there so he could throw some heat into that room. And I remember sometimes, I didn't turn it on or use it. I don't think I was old enough to know too much about it. But I knew it had to get plugged in twice to work. And uh, To heat it. That was a that was a room heater for that room that had no really not enough heat at the time. Oh my goodness. Uh, it was originally the in that area originally was the kitchen, but then that whole end of the house was getting remodeled and redone and the shed was being taken out down and the yeah. roof was being raised and all kinds of stuff happened over there. Yeah. So the, a lot of that area downstairs and up was unfinished for a long time. Okay. And the kitchen the kitchen that I the kitchen at the time that the house fire happened, uh, that was the fall before my dad died. So that was around around September before my... My dad died in February, so the September before that is when we had the house fire. Yeah. And so a lot of that stuff, a lot of that stuff was unfinished. Are and there any pictures of the house before it was remodeled that you know of that exist? Not that I know of. Okay. Not not too much. There might be some. You might be able to see the edge of a porch somewhere. Okay. There might be something Isn't to see a, a picture piece of Jimmy of standing in his graduation robe in front of the house that has black tar paper. Yes. On it, and mm. he was embarrassed by that. He was embarrassed by that, but mm. it was a black for a long time. It was black with tar paper, waiting for the siding to get put on. But yeah. the tar paper kept the rain off the wood anyway. I don't know how long it was like that. It might not have been. It might have been like that maybe better part of a year or something. Longer than it should have been. When did Jimmy graduate? Jim graduated in 63, I think. And Jeannie in 65. So that would have been around 63. And uh, uh, and my dad was my dad was in that graduation picture, I think. Yeah, he definitely was. But that whole area the, where you remember that the kitchen mm-hmm. and the dining room, mm-hmm. and then the upstairs apartment. Well, that was all unfinished. It yeah. still had to be at the time of the fire. Mm-hmm. And it actually, after the fire, it did get done a lot quicker because it had to get done. And uh, so after the fire, when we moved back in there only a few months later, there was a, the upstairs wasn't done, but the kitchen was all done in the dining room. Mm-hmm. And we kind of moved into a, boy, this is nice. The den got made. Because the den, where the den is now, mm-hmm. is that know, a the dining room, room? And the den. What was the den? That was before? the kitchen at the time of the fire. Oh. And that's the kitchen I remember sitting at the table listening to my dad listen to Paul Harvey. That was the kitchen. So where? What was where the island and the sink and everything was? What was that? That was all unfinished. That was all ripped out of there. I mean, there was a. So it didn't exist. It basically didn't. There was yeah, it didn't exist. It had oh. been one time. There was somehow there was a bedroom and a. And and a kitchen in the it was a it was a kitchen in that area, but nothing was located where it is now. Mm. I only have vague thoughts of where things were, and not too good. Mm. There was a stairwell that went up the side of the house where Charles Street is. Mm. That's the stairwell my dad carried me down that mm. I remember. Mm. There was a little bit of a landing where there was a little window. I remember kneeling at that window with my brother Steve watching the cars go by Webster, but it looked so far away. And and uh, but we were at nighttime. We'd watch the two little lit up dots go along the road, mm. and Steve and I would sit there and watch the cars. We were probably supposed to be in bed and weren't. Yeah. Uh, do you have any memories specifically of clothes that your dad wore, like 
or yeah. a hat or like what do you remember about how your dad dressed? Well, first of all, my mom always has a story about my dad. Uh, he always he always liked to wear a hat. It was like a ball cap, but it was green. It wasn't really a baseball or a sports cap of any kind. But actually, he wore green work clothes. I think he probably got them at Fleet Farm or wherever. It was probably maybe popular. It was it was green slacks and a green shirt, but they were work sh- they were work clothing. We mm-hmm. might even be able to still get them at Fleet Farm. I don't know, probably in more colors than green. But at that time, those were my dad's work clothes. Mm. He, that's what he always wore, unless he was dressing up to go somewhere, going out with my mom or whatever. Other than that, he was in those green work clothes. Mm. And he had, and I think his hat might have even been green too, but it had, you know, it had a ball cap front, mm-hmm. and. He always wore a hat, my mom said. And one time he was in a bar and somebody figured he must be bald because he's always wearing a hat. And he went up to my dad to pull the hat off and laugh at him for being bald when he pulled the hat off. It was my dad had a full head of hair. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's funny. I remember one time, too, just, I don't know, just random thoughts about my dad, but I remember us being at a picnic somewhere. Uh, maybe it was a gun, sh- maybe the part of what they were going to do was kind of a gun shooting, uh, a gun shooting, uh, contest of some mm-hmm. kind too. Whatever. It was a kind of a picnic celebration, some kind of celebration for who knows who. <clears throat> I don't think it was a church though, but somebody put it on and my dad was there and one of my dad's pretty good friend of his that worked, that worked at CA Law with my dad, mm-hmm. uh, at least in the same building. Actually, this guy's name was, um, is that still going? I hope so. This guy's name is, I wonder if my... We're checking the recorders, everyone. Yeah. this uh, Mine's still going, too. Good thing. Okay, so this guy actually was the dad to my first big crush, Robin Hensberger, which yeah. maybe we'll bring up some other time. Yeah, I think you've told us. I might have told it in yeah. one of the earlier stories. I probably did, but uh, at any rate, and this guy was this guy was really an alcoholic, I think, because he he'd be driving drunk with his car full of his kids. I mean, I don't think my dad ever did that. My dad might have had a few mm-hmm. and was driving, but I mean, he wasn't like drunk, drunk driving a car full of his kids. Yeah. <clears throat> in those days, it wasn't uncommon. Yeah. To just drive your car no matter what condition you were in. Mm. I guess if you could walk up to it and start it, you'd try to drive, try and drive it home. Crazy. Anyway, so this guy, his name was, his name was, uh, doesn't matter. Anyway, I, he got in a fight with somebody. <clears throat> he got in a fight with somebody. And this other guy was quite a bit bigger than my dad's friend who was probably about... My dad wasn't real tall. I think I'm taller than my dad was. Uh, my dad was probably average man's height, but he was definitely under six feet. Um, and so I just remember these two, they were getting into it, and there was going to be a... looked like there was going to be some fisticuffs going on. And I remember my dad somehow getting into that between them to try to keep them from fighting. And I remember somehow my dad... This guy was pretty tall. My dad had to kind of reach up a little. He wasn't hitting the guy hard in the face, but he was just kind of slapping him a little on the face, trying to get him to back down. I, it seems a little odd to me, yeah. just looking back, but that's what I remember as a kid. Yeah. Somehow my dad hitting this much taller guy that probably, 
I thought, well, my dad must be pretty brave to be doing that because otherwise, you know, this guy could get into it with my dad. So yeah. My dad must have, maybe my dad knew the guy too, so maybe he knew the guy wasn't going to haul off and get out of my way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I remember my dad butting in to try to keep a fight from happening. Yeah. So I thought, well, that's pretty good. Yeah. My dad, the peacemaker. Yeah, yeah. My dad can beat up your dad kind of thing. Yeah, well, I didn't know what would happen. You always thought if anything did happen, your dad would come out on top. Yeah. Do you have any memories, favorite memories associated with getting back to clothing that your dad wore? And, you know, of course, your dad passed away when you were young. Do you have any memories associated with, like, did you inherit anything of his or clothing or... No, nothing really that I can think of of clothing or anything like that. Any of his army stuff or military uh, stuff? No, I can't think of anything. Uh, but, I mean, I just remember some things. Just, just bits and pieces of memories, I guess. Yeah. I remember my dad had a... Kind of a de- uh, kind of an office type desk, but mm-hmm. drawers in it. He had watches in there. Sometimes he would tinker with some watches, try to get them to work. He had yeah. a handful of watches in there, pocket watches though. They were they weren't wrist watches. Um, and so he had a few little tools, and he'd try to get them to work, and tinker with that a little. Um, and I, 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 I also remember I probably told some of this in talking about my mom, but how my dad had. It was a big thing if you could have a cottage up north or something and get away from it all place and whatever. And my dad had a couple of friends that had cottages up there and he wanted a place for it too and thought he could somehow. My dad and my mom, who's pretty much in charge of the money, said, well, you can buy a piece of property. Well, maybe we, maybe we can get a cottage one day or whatever, but you can, if you want to take the first step. And my dad bought a piece of property up there. Up north, it's a little little lake called Green Lake, but it's just south of Mountain. It's not the big. There's a bigger Green Lake in Wisconsin. It ain't that. Okay. So it's the little lake there, just south of Mountain. Um, and my dad had a little piece of property there, and my dad uh, bought uh, from a you know U.S. surplus or something. And got he might have done some electrical work for somebody and got this military tent and uh, set that up and half of the tent was just grass and stumps. You know, he had to cut down trees and stuff to even put this thing up. Half of the tent he put a wood floor on, which, by the way, my dad also collected a bunch of lumber wherever he could. We had two or three lumber piles in our backyard because my dad thought, well, you know, I can use some of this lumber to help remodel the house or whatever, save some money, you know. Yeah. But uh, so my dad had built that uh, a floor there and the tent and everything and, uh, so that was our first experience getting up north and of a place of our own. And, and I remember my dad had this big old, ra- big old radio. I mean, it probably was built in the forties, maybe fifties, but it was just a tube radio and all it had was AM and you could barely even get a station on it. <clears throat> but I think you could just barely pull something in. And, uh, at least at nighttime, cause AM radio, you can pull a far away AM station in better at night than you can in the day. Why? That's something to do with the atmosphere, atmospheric conditions. And, okay. and, and AM radio is a different frequency than like FM, and it, it travels different. Um, mm. I, AM might even be able to bounce off the atmosphere and come back down, whereas I think FM 
would just keep going because it's a higher frequency, something mm-hmm. to that effect. But anyway, okay. atmospheric conditions. Uh, and I remember, and I don't know if I told this story, but I'll tell it again because it's about my dad. I was pretty small, you know, so what? that would have been 60, let's say around 62. So how old was I? I would have been nine. I was eight or nine years old, let's say. But <clears throat> my dad was going out fishing with his friend. Herman was the guy's name, a different friend. They were going to go out fishing, evening fishing on the lake. And, uh, you know, I'm sure my dad just, you know, kids just play in the tent and whatever, do what you're going to do. But, uh, you know, this is my time. Mm-hmm. But he he decided he could take one of us. And Jim wasn't up there. So that the oldest boy next to Jim was my brother Steve. And I think my dad would have been more likely, I guess, to take his son out fishing than to say to take. Dolores was probably up there with us. Jimmy and Gene, they maybe weren't even up there. They might have stayed home because they were older and maybe they didn't care much for it. I don't know. But uh, anyway, I just remember my dad said he would take Steve. And I I wanted to go mm-hmm. so bad. I thought, you know, I want to go fishing with my dad. Mm-hmm. Why does Steve get to go and I don't get to go? And I whined and whined. And my dad, I remember him saying no for quite a few times. But I think my mom softened him up. To the point, we said, well, all right then, I suppose found some kind of a fishing rod, or maybe I just got to go along and, and just sit with my brother Steve. Maybe I didn't even have a fishing pole, I don't remember. <clears throat> but he finally let me go. It wasn't that big of a boat either. It was kind of a little little skiff with a kind of a turned-up front end. It was a homemade boat that Herman had made, but but you could you could fit three adults on it if I think Steve and I sat on the front of this boat. It didn't come to a point. It was kind of rectangular, but mm-hmm. it came it's it's came up in the front. Okay. And so there was a seat up there right at the very front. I think Steve and I sat there. And anyway, I I did finally get to go, but I had to nag and nag and I think my mom had to twist my dad's arm a little. And you got to go? And I got to go. Is that did you go fishing with your dad a lot or no, was that kind of a That's the only time, time I ever remember. Okay. Uh I remember once we went somewhere, somewhere where there was a stream, and I don't remember where. And it, my mom turned it into a family picnic, I think. My dad probably would have just as soon, take care of the kids. I'm going fishing. Yeah. But I think somehow my mom worked it into a family outing where we all went. And this was even before that. So I was too young to do any fishing, whatever, mm-hmm. or even have a fishing pole, but. My, my my dad liked to trout fish. If he could get away and go trout fishing, and I think he even had some high high water things you can put on mm-hmm. so you can go out into the water. Uh, uh, so he liked. My dad did like to fish, especially trout fishing. So yeah, I remember one time doing that. Um, I don't know if I was going somewhere with that, but that was that was. Uh, you said a stream. You were going to tell a story about going where there was a stream? You just remember that your mom made it into a family outing? Right, right. And I just remember the outing vaguely, and I remember my dad doing the fishing, but I remember us all being there. Would he catch fish and you would eat them? Oh, yeah. You'd, you'd, you'd clean them and eat them if it was a legal fish, and most of the fish we got like were canfish and stuff. It was legal. Mm-hmm. My dad would clean it, clean them and whatever. I should say another story. It involves my dad, but it really involves the whole family. The mm-hmm. first vacation we ever went on. Oh. And 
and um, we were all, I was quite, quite little at the time. Danny and Randy, I mean, Randy probably couldn't have been more than two. Hmm. But my mom was determined we were going to go on vacation. And one of my uncles, <clears throat> again, I think it was Uncle Ray, had some old cabin up north. And that's your mom's brother. My mom's brother. Ray. Ray. My mom's brother, Ray. Yeah. You know, for the life of me, I, I, I don't know how. I'm sure my dad had a top carrier, but this was a standard sedan. Yeah. It's a car with a trunk. You could maybe fit six adults in it comfortably, all bench seats, of course. You might be able to squeeze four adults if you had to, but you'd be really tight. Nobody wore seatbelts then. But somehow, I know my Uncle Roger came with us, so maybe a couple of us rode in his car. But we went up north, the whole family. Uncle Roger came with, so maybe a couple in his car. But I don't think his car was loaded. Somehow we jammed this whole... We were a family of seven kids, mom and dad. So that's nine people, and this was not a station wagon. Yeah. So you might get through two adults and a kid in the front. Better put a bigger kid in the front because you're really going to line that back seat up with kids. Mm-hmm. So there might have been <laughs> there might have been four or five of us in jammed into that back seat somehow. Everything had to go either in the trunk or on top carrier. Yeah. And maybe one of the kids was with Uncle Roger. So somehow we did it and got up north. So that we got up to this old cabin. It was just an old guy hunting shack wasn't anything kept kept up nice or clean or anything we we got up there and we walked into the place and it was a mess i mean mm-hmm. and it was an old grungy ugh. yeah so Jeannie would Jeannie would probably my sister Jeannie would remember a lot of this because she was part of it. my mom and Jeannie and maybe Dolores helped a little but Dolores was fairly young too helped to clean that place up so we could use it but I remember, I have, a, I have, I think it's the only time we ever went there, but I have a lot of memories of that time we went there. Mm. I remember that was the first time I ever saw fireflies. We were sleeping in some back room of the, the back part of the cabin. It had these big bunk beds. I was on the top bunk. I actually fell out in the night, but I didn't get hurt. <laughs> I just thumped and I was all right. And yeah. Well, get back up there and go to sleep. I remember looking out the back. There must have been a back door to that room. I yeah. remember looking out the back and seeing the fireflies. Said, oh. What are those What are those lights there in the dark? Those are fireflies. We didn't have fireflies in town. Yeah. But there were tons of them up there. This was all the wonder of being up north yeah. for the first time. I had a little pair of binoculars. Somehow I got from somewhere. I don't know where. Yeah. But I remember you could take them apart. And I must have taken it apart and I lost the front part of them somehow. I, I couldn't find it. I felt so bad. I, I, my binoculars were useless now. <laughs> took them apart. <laughs> and I also remember the car was parked. It was kind of a maybe an incline that kind of went up. As you came off the road and kind of up the drive, although it was mostly a grass drive, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, up to where the cabin was. It was a little bit downhill, or uphill, let's say. Mm-hmm. And I remember we must we were sitting a couple of the kids must have been in the car playing around, and Dolores was in one of them. And they were playing up by the steering wheel, and they started playing with the shifter. Shifted it into neutral, and the car started rolling back. 
My dad was close enough by that he saw the car moving, and he ran after it, and he got into it in time and put the brake on. And I, I don't know how far it rolled, but I, it probably rolled a good 10 feet, mm -hmm. at least 5 feet or 10 feet before my dad could get in and stop it. Yeah. You better believe he raised the roof on that. I don't oh, think I... anybody, I don't know if anybody got spanked or not, but at least it wasn't me, so I don't remember. Yeah. But I, it was, I think it was, I think it was Dolores that shifted it in out of gear and started mm. rolling out. Don't you kids ever touch that car steering wheel or anything, you know? Yeah. You stay out of that car. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Do you think that trip was maybe the beginning of kind of getting a dream for getting the family a place up north? Is that, that that could be. I'm sure that, along with my dad having a, car, a guy that he knew up there with a cottage. We even stayed with that guy one time. Okay. And that guy had a family of his own, but we I remember spending one weekend where we, we, we got to stay in their cottage, and they found some way for all of us kids to sleep. Okay. Uh, okay. So. so if you think about... um. Who were your dad's best friends? Do you have any names that you think of? Was it neighborhood people or his Wasn't brothers? Really anybody in the neighborhood he was close to. Yeah. Um, the only ones I can remember, there was one guy named Herman Morrow. He was a short guy. He's the guy that made a boat. And uh, and then there was, there was uh, uh, D. Hen Dean Hensberger, that was the guy that uh, my my first crush uh, dad and the guy that worked at C.A. Lawton. Okay. I think he's the guy that collected all my dad's tools and brought them home after my dad died. Um, and then there was a guy by the name of Bud Gibson who was an electrician. And he actually came over to our house one time after my dad had passed away, but my Uncle Dick and Uncle Roger were... We're helping to continue to remodel the house after my dad died. Yeah. It was like, it was like, it was my dad and Uncle Roger, and then after my dad died, Uncle Roger kept coming and Uncle Dick would come with him and mm. his family. So maybe that's, I don't know if it follows your questions, but maybe it segues into father figures that I had, especially after my own dad passed away. Yeah. And that was two of them, Uncle Dick and Uncle Roger, and they were... Both my dad's brothers, mm -hmm. and they were good people. Yeah. They were good people, and they, they anything they could do for my mom, they did. Yeah. And uh, and they were, they came for years, always once a week, and for a, some, at, for a few of those years, twice a week. They were there on a Tuesday evening, and they'd come on a Saturday. <clears throat> and they came pretty regularly. For sure on Tuesdays. Maybe not every Saturday, but a lot of Saturdays. Mm -hmm. And they were helping my mom finish get that house rebuilt. Because the uh, apartment still had to be made upstairs. And there was there was still some work that had to be done. There was The garage had to get made yet. Yeah. And just things that needed doing and my mom couldn't do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, so they were there. Um. Yeah, I think we, we'll talk a little bit more about that. I... We're probably not going to, I think it's going to come up later where I'm going to, I think you'll talk more about the, the accident where your dad died, unless you feel like you want to tell it in detail now. Uh, I could. Uh, 
I don't know. Is this is this getting too long or? No. I mean, do you want to do you do you want to tell it now? Just yeah, that we were. Be. I would say we're kind of up to the point, you know. Where yeah, I pretty much exhausted things I know about my dad. Yeah. Um, so the day I remember the day, the day of the uh, the day that my dad and my my brother Steve, one year older than me, um, died in a snowmobile accident. <clears throat> Do you know so, the date? date February 8th 1964 this was a pretty eventful year not necessarily 64 per se but 63 64 within about a six month time September of 63 the house caught fire and we had to go live with my grandma until Christmas when my dad and my uncle Roger <clears throat> fixed up the house and actually built the, got the kitchen and everything, got it ready for us to move back into by Christmas. So we were back in the house by Christmas. Also, while we were with my grandma, President Kennedy was shot. That was kind of a national event, but sticks in our mind, President mm. Kennedy getting shot. <clears throat> um, so, and I remember my mom and dad had some kind of a conversation, too, where they you know, we, were, we had the fire, but we're back in the house and getting back on our feet and feeling like we're going to make it. Things are getting better. And we just, you know, it was like kind of like the house had been remade and it was better than it was before the fire. Mm. We had a nice new kitchen now and that dining room and the living room. I remember moving in at Christmas. We didn't have carpet in the living room yet. It was still plywood. But we were in the house because mm-hmm. my mom was determined we were going to be in the house by Christmas. Yeah. But we had that nice den that was finished, mm-hmm. and the kitchen was finished, and the dining room was finished, and a lot of the house, and it was like new, you know, it's just been done. And the carpeting came, you know, not more than maybe a couple, few weeks later, let's say, we got carpeting in the living room. So <clears throat> I think my mom was feeling good. The house, we got past the fire, we were feeling good. Things are going to be all right, and the house is getting starting to look nice. And, and uh, and then, and we, I think, I remember us going up north. There was some kind of a fishing contest on Green Lake, the little Green Lake. And we were up there, and <clears throat> I remember us driving out on the ice with the car. I thought, wow, that ice can hold a whole weight of a car. And that, so that experience was <clears> the <throat> first time I'd ever been on ice with a car. Didn't even know you could do that, and you know it, it seemed weird to my dad to start driving out on the lake. Mm. Wow! Yeah, and then the ice was quite thick, and yeah, everything was fine. So there was all of that that happened just before this. So maybe there was a maybe there was a little more confidence for ice than there should have been. But I'm sure my dad wasn't stupid. I'm sure he knew that uh, river ice is not as trustworthy as lake ice because you got running water constantly. Yeah. Uh, moving water does not freeze nearly as well as sitting water. So, but anyway, so we went, so then we went to, uh, there was uh, something, it was like a, a snowmobile something going on. I don't quite know what was up. Maybe they even had some snowmobile races, but snowmobiles were a new thing back then. I suppose they were trying to promote snowmobiles and who knows what. This was like a marina. It was a marina, but they happened to have some snowmobile action going on. And my my dad's friend Herman, I think, said, "Let's go, let's go to this thing, and uh, <clears throat> you can look at 
you can look at some of these snowmobiles, maybe even take one for a ride. You know, my dad, I think, was serious about he wouldn't mind having a snowmobile even if he had to build it himself. So my dad said he was going to go, and I think my mom said, well, why don't you take the kids? And uh, and I, there's something, I don't remember the detail of what my mom said, but there was something going on with Steve. Steve, for some reason, didn't want to go. And maybe he was doing something with a friend already, and maybe he wanted to just keep doing what he was doing. I'm like, no, no, you go. You'll have fun. You know, I think she wanted us all to go and do something with our dad and whatever. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't Jimmy and Jeannie and Dolores weren't with us. So it was me and Steve and Danny and Randy and my dad, my Uncle Roger, and his friend Herman. So we all went. This is in Westy Pier. So we all go to Westy Pier, this marina. And we're just walking around there. I remember walking around there with Steve and whatever. And uh, next thing I know, we're all going to get to ride on a snowmobile. So, <clears throat> so um, my, 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 they suggested, well, why don't, uh, why don't you and Randy go with Herman? I kind of wanted to go with my dad, but, you know, you do what you're told. Not everybody can. You can't all ride with your dad. So, okay, I'll, we get to ride with Herman. So Herman, Herman in the front and us two smaller kids. Apparently we fit three on that snowmobile. It was probably you could easily fit two adults. I guess you can jam one adult and two kids. So Herman took us up the way and he went towards, towards where Fort Howard is. Is this the Fox River? This is the Fox River. Yeah, this is the Fox River. Went up towards Fort Howard on the, you know, on the side. You don't go out to the middle, but I think there might have been some, might have been marked too, and then come back, and everything was fine. And then it was my dad's turn to go, and he took uh, Steve and my younger brother Dane, and they went out. And so you know, I just thought, well, they're going to get their ride too, but it's taking long. It's taking longer, and next thing, something's going on. What's going on? And I still didn't have a clue what was going on, but I knew my Uncle Roger was aware of something, and maybe my maybe Herman had come and said something to him, and next thing I knew, well, something's going on over there. I wonder what's going on. Well, I don't know. But, you know, soon enough, I began to realize somebody went down out there. Of course, they I don't think they let us know until at the very last what was going on. Come to find out. <clears throat> so then, I think my Uncle Roger is the one who had to tell us kids. Dan, uh, Randy and me, Danny and Steve were out there. So it was Randy and me. Uncle Roger had to say, I gotta take you guys home. I, I just, I might break into tears here. So I got a feel for my Uncle Roger. <clears throat> First, he had to tell us that Danny and he didn't tell us they were dead, though. But he said they went down. And I'm sure we said, well, are they all right? Are they all right? And I think all he could tell us is, I don't know. I don't know. He probably, maybe he did know. But maybe he didn't want to tell us that they're dead. Well, but I, as, I re, as I rewind my memory, though, he must have, he knew they were dead. Because we had to go, he had to go home and tell my mom. I think he knew they were dead. They might not have even found him yet. I think he knew they had to be. Where they, they, was Danny? Because Danny was saved. Yeah. And he must have been saved fairly soon after. So they must have kind of knew that. 
I think before we left the marina with my Uncle Roger, he must have knew that Danny got saved, but my dad and Steve didn't. And how much he, we knew as we left there, how much uh, me as a kid knew, I don't know, but I guess we knew that they were, they were dead. He sure knew. Anyway, so Danny had gotten saved. There was a guy that saw it happen, and he went out, ran out there, had a rope in his trunk from deer hunting or something. And threw that rope out there a few times. Danny didn't grab it, but then he thought, I'm going to have to maybe jump in after him or something. Um, and then Danny finally did grab it, and we pulled him up. But didn't see any sight of my dad and Steve. <clears throat> so Danny got taken to the hospital. And so my Uncle Roger then had to tell me and Randy and got in the car, and then he drove. He drove home. Now my, my godmother, her name is Dorothy. She's actually my cousin, but she's more like an aunt because of the age difference. She always seemed like an aunt to me, not, not a cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was, she was, uh, she was not quite in our neighborhood, but one block over. So she was living very close to us. My uncle Rogers thought, I can't go home and tell Angie by myself. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. So he stopped there first to talk to Dorothy, tell her what happened. He said, you got to help me go tell Angie. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine what he was going through. What they were all going through was he had to go home and tell them. I remember in my mind, kept thinking, for some reason or other, I don't know if I overheard somebody say something or if I maybe saw it in a movie or something. And I've, I've heard of people sometimes being alive even after a whole half hour. Mm-hmm. I think I said something like that. Mm-hmm. I might have even said something like that. And whoever I said it to said no. Oh, they're dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're dead. Don't, don't put false hope up that they're still alive after this long. And uh, so... Now, even though I'm tearing up now, I don't think I teared up at that time, mm-hmm. even while it was happening. I think maybe it had just was stunned me to the point where I was just trying to analyze what, what's going on here. Mm-hmm. I was just analyzing it. I wasn't even thinking of all the ramifications of it. <clears throat> so, yeah, so my uh, Roger did have to tell my mom, and of course... I don't remember all of it. I'm sure my mom probably screamed all of the normal things. This can't be. Yeah. Uh, so, remember Uncle Dick and Aunt Jackie? They were there right away to be there with us. Mm-hmm. Well, my mom had to deal with a lot of this stuff. And all of a sudden, you got to deal with you got a boy in the hospital. Your husband and son are dead. You gotta deal with the funeral. And then, oh man, there was so much that went on for that. There was, uh, here again, I think, I think as an adult, I can appreciate the weight of what they had to deal with. Yeah. So it makes, makes me tear up to describe it. 
But as a kid, you don't understand any of that. Right. You just right. know, I don't know. I've never been through this before. I'm just trying to analyze it. Yeah. But I got people around me. My world is still safe, but it has been hit. Yeah. Pretty hard here, but mm. I still have my mom. I got relatives that care about me. You know, you still have a, a good sense of security anyway. So yeah. That part isn't beneath the way. For me, I'm talking about me personally. Um, so this whole, this whole, so my mom had to do all of this for the funeral, get things lined up. In those days, funerals lasted usually for sure at least one evening and then and then maybe the funeral but sometimes two evenings well this one this thing lasted i think it was two evenings and then the burial happened on wednesdays so this was a long kind of a long drawn out funeral scenario and i remember that my it was uh the funeral home was there on on, on broadway I guess it doesn't matter. I know where it is. It's not going to mean anything to anybody listening. But it was there in East Pier. There was the funeral parlor there. And I remember my... I think... I don't know that the whole school went. But for sure, Steve's class went to the funeral. You know, like say on Monday or something. Or maybe Tuesday. Maybe it was Tuesday. Uh, one of the days, his class went to the funeral home to go see Steve. So, dealing with all that, and then, but to, to add all, on top of all of this, uh, my mom was Catholic, and the church we belonged to was St. Francis, uh, and the, the main uh, priest in charge there was Father Cliver, the only priest I'd known up to that point, he was the only, you know, whatever. So remember, my mom was divorced, and my dad married my mom. So they were both excommunicated from the church because my dad, for marrying a divorced woman, my mom, for being divorced, marrying... I don't think she was excommunicated for getting her divorce. Maybe that was allowed because the guy was so horrible. But when she remarried, that's when she got excommunicated. Um, and so they said... He's excommunicated. He cannot. He cannot go up to the front of the church. Steve can go up. To, and that was part of the ceremony. You'd bring the deceased person, obviously, up to the front. Steve can go to the front. I think originally Father Cliver, he was the, he was the priest at that time, which in later later years, I think he apologized to my mom and admitted he had made a wrong decision. But at that time, he felt he had to be a hardliner for the doctrines of the church. And my dad was excommunicated, and he could not have a Catholic funeral. So only my only Steve could, but not my dad. Somehow or other, they... I remember one of my... Here again, a cousin, but he's more like an uncle because he's old, much older name was Dwayne, came from Milwaukee. They lived in Milwaukee. He came down <clears throat> to go and argue with to go and argue with the priest to, you gotta let him have this funeral here, my God. And they went to the bishop 
of De Pere in, in the Green Bay Diocese. They even went to see the bishop. I think the bishop gave permission. He could be brought into the church, but not up to the front. And that's the way the funeral went. My dad had to stay at the back of the church. He was allowed in the church, but he had to stay at the back. Only Steve could be brought up to the front. This, so my mom's dealing with all of that. Besides dealing with the loss of two of your family members. Mm-hmm. And uh, so how she, you know, it was a good thing she had some good people around her supporting her, but I can only imagine. And then after all that, I mean, my mom stayed true to the Catholic Church. Yeah, she did. No matter how they treated her. Mm-hmm. Which I think had more to do with what faith she had in the Lord than faith in the church. Mm. But it was the only thing she was brought up in and the only thing she knew to be viable and she didn't know. Mm. You know, she wasn't in any kind of a, like, whatever. Catholic church was a part of her life, even when they mistreated her. But, uh, so I just remember all of that. I remember my mom telling a story about how somebody walked up to her and said, God must really love you. To, to give you such a cross to bear. To give you such a cross to bear, which didn't make any sense to my mom. Mm. I think maybe a more accurate, maybe what the woman meant was, God must really trust you mm. to allow you to bear such a burden. Mm. To me, that would be a better interpretation of what was said. Mm. I don't think bad things happen to us because God loves us. Mm. But he might allow them because he trusts that we're going to get through it and not, and not. Or even if we did reject God, at some point come back. Uh, but at any rate, that's going down another money trail. So that's, uh, so that was a huge event, uh, obviously in our life. And, uh, do you have any other memories specific to even just those few days? Memories from the funeral or memories from the burial or? I only remember the day that it, well, one of the memories I have, the day that it happened, probably the day, probably while Uncle Roger was in there and, and Dorothy explaining to my mom what happened, I must have just thought, well, I may, I should just, no sense, I need to be here. I probably went outside and my friends, of course, we had a neighborhood full of friends. We had lots of, lots of kids in my neighborhood and I had friends in the neighborhood and they came by and so I was telling my friends, I said, my dad and Steve just got just died but I don't remember tearing up or crying over it I just remember telling them about it mm. I just but in my mind I do remember thinking I do remember thinking that uh, so we had a neighborhood excuse me we had a neighborhood full of widows one of my friends one of my close friends in the neighborhood his dad died of a heart attack Another one of my close friends across the street from there, his dad died of a heart attack. And there were a couple of older widows in the neighborhood. And I thought, so I, I had already gone through an experience of my friends, a couple of my friends losing mm. their dad. Mm. But this happens to other people. This mm. doesn't happen to me. Y'all somehow feel that you're different. Mm-hmm. When this happened, then I thought, I'm not any different than anybody else. Mm. Now it's happened to me. So, like I said, I think I was very much analytical of the whole process. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, in one sense, 
like I say, I mean, I love my dad. I thought the world of him. I mean, I thought there was, you know, nobody, nobody compared to my dad. If it was, you know, who's the strongest, who's the smartest, who's the this or the that, like any kid. Mm-hmm. I thought my dad was tops. But I can't say I had a really close relational you know, like if my dad was real close to me, you know, teaching me how to play ball. And, and you know, if my dad had spent a lot of time with me, this probably would have been harder on me. Mm-hmm. Losing, you know, some people, you lose your dad, you lost your best friend. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that was so with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not to be negative on my dad. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. He related to us as best he knew how, mm-hmm. as, you know. Dads weren't as much a kid's buddy in those days. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say nobody's dad was, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> in general. Um, and so, and even my my brother Steve, to be honest with you, Steve and I didn't have a close relationship. Remember, I always felt a little bit, I was just his annoying younger brother that he would just as soon not bother him, you know. Mm-hmm. So, though I, I love Steve, you know, I... You know, I felt bad that they both died. I wouldn't say I had, I wouldn't, am I making sense? Mm-hmm, I, I mm-hmm. wasn't real close and tight with them emotionally. Mm. So maybe if I had been, maybe it would have hit me a lot harder emotionally. Mm. Um, mm. It, it didn't happen, I, I can't remember exactly how long. It could have been six months. It could have been a year. But I don't remember even crying about all of this until one time I was just all alone and I was listening to a, it, it was a record, it was a 45 record on our record player. It was actually the flip side of maybe a main song. I don't know. But it was, it was a song about a girl that lost her boyfriend who was surfing and he drowned in the waves. And, and I got to thinking about the, you know, that story and then mm. drowning and then I got thinking about my own dad and my own brother. And I thought more and more about it. Mm. I began to feel really sad. Mm. I remember tears coming down my eyes, and I remember going up to my room. Mm. Just had a good cry. Mm -hmm. I think. And I think that's all I really needed. I don't remember crying much after that, necessarily, but... Mm. It's funny. Or, not funny, but it's, it's... And everybody probably handles things in a different way, depending on how you're wired Whatever. Yeah. But that's how I handled it. That's mm-hmm. how I went through it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I guess you learn at an early age, though, that things can happen mm-hmm. to anybody and do. Mm-hmm. So I think you learn to be grateful for the good times when you have them. And you deal with the bad times, too, when they come mm-hmm. as best you can. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, but overall, uh, well, I don't know if we're coming near the end, but maybe you such might a, be looking for an overall summation of your dad kind it's of such thing. such a moving story, Dad. Um, do you feel like over the years you have um, reflected at all, or maybe you'd say you're analytical about it, but have you thought about what it really meant to lose your dad at such a young age? Do you... Can you see how that shaped your life in any way, or the only thing that I really think about is I, I often, I often I gotta say I did somewhat regularly have dreams, 
Even as an adult, sometimes I'd have a dream where my dad was alive. Somehow he was alive. Mm. You know, I bet you in the last 10 years, maybe even only five years, I've maybe had one dream like that. Mm. Maybe within the last 10 years. And it was just kind of matter of fact, that, but it was just like, oh, my dad's back. Mm. And But it was like, in my dream, it's like he's been gone for a long time and now he's back. Now, and now we got to get caught up. Mm. And I think maybe that does stem out of somewhat, I've, you know, I've often thought about, I would have liked to have gotten to know my dad better. Mm-hmm. I couldn't as a child because he didn't relate that well to children anyway. Mm-hmm. But I know as an adult, yeah, I would have got to know him a lot better. Yeah. And we would have gotten to talk about things and probably would have even gotten to talk about, you know, mechanical or electrical things and all kinds of stuff that then I think he could have related to me better as yeah. I became an adult. Yeah. And I would have got to know him a lot better. And that part I, I often say I miss yeah. not getting to know my dad better and know him at a more deeper level. Right. And you and Steve, too. I mean, as a 10-year-old and an 11-year-old or whatever, I mean... Yeah, I didn't your relationship real well to him. is locked in that in that time period. Oh, Steve, my, my, yeah. my brother Steve. Your brother Steve. Yeah, yeah, for that part, for that part too, I I uh I uh I think I thought about it more with my dad though. Mm-hmm. But it would have been nice to know Steve better too. I like to think that we would have gotten closer as adults than yeah. we were as kids. <clears throat> Did you, I guess I always assumed this, but did you name my brother Steve after your brother? I did. I thought. Do you remember? It'd be good to name him after my brother Steve. Do you remember thinking about that and like always wanting to, if I have a son, I'll name him that? Or did it just come to you? I think it came to me more at the time. Yeah. A son and I thought, no, I don't, it just came to me. I Mm. I just thought it would be good. I think it would be good to name my son after my brother that I lost. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I like the name. I mean, mm-hmm. Steve's a great name. Mm-hmm. Actually, i looking at the grave. I have to call him Steve or Stephen, but I actually I, I see the spelling on the record is Stephen. Oh, P-H. P-H-E-N. But everybody calls you that. Stephen, everybody calls you Steve. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. Um, yeah, and you d- you did talk about the, kind of the father figures that came into your life. Yeah, of course there's the whole Leo scenario. I don't know if you want to get into that. I think we'll, well, why don't we pause here and decide where we want to go from here? Because this is really the point where you're, you were looking at a timeline, what your, your uncles really came into your life as a father figure, and you've talked in a previous interview about your mom really wanting to keep taking you guys up north. Yeah. Because your dad had kind of established that And I place. think I explained probably in my mom's video about kind of reevaluating and say, you know, this was a like a, a two one or two year period where there were huge transitions that happened in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I wonder if I should try to do a, maybe just a real... The basic summation of my dad would be that I think he, I think he was a, I think he was a good dad. Uh, I think he was there for the family. There were areas that he could have improved in as a dad, but he was a good dad. 
and I think, and he loved my mom, and he loved the family, and uh, I think he always maintained his commitment as a father and a husband. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm very thankful as well that my dad was a good moral person mm-hmm. in in many ways. I mean, I'm, I'm saying he, he had some vices, I'll admit. Um, but I think, I expect to see him in heaven. Um, I don't know. I don't know. He never said the sinner's prayer. That's not the only, that's not the only way that, that you get saved. You have to go through Jesus and all. There's no denying that. Mm -hmm. But I often, I often pray, uh, that, uh, that, if he didn't know Jesus as his Savior, that he had one last chance while dying. Mm-hmm. I don't know why God wouldn't answer that call or that prayer, and I don't know why my dad would say no. Mm-hmm. So I fully expect to see my dad when I get to glory. Mm-hmm. I'll be shocked if he isn't there, but uh, I think he'll be there. Mm-hmm. I'll get to know him uh, uh, more mm-hmm. at that time. And it's mainly because, I can't say it's because my dad ever showed a huge interest in following Jesus that I knew of. I think he had some relationship with God at some level. Mm-hmm. I think when they said he had a one-way ticket to hell because he married a divorced woman, I think he knew that was a lot of BS. Mm-hmm. In his mind, that wasn't who his God was. Mm-hmm. But he knew we needed some kind of maybe religious upbringing and Catholicism was all he knew and all my mom knew. Mm-hmm. So they stuck with Catholicism. But right. My, I think my mom and dad had a discussion one time and I think my dad said, uh, I don't remember exactly the words, but it was like my dad said, well, my, I, I don't think, I don't think God's going to send either one of us to hell for this, mm-hmm. for us, you know, yeah. having a marriage and raising kids and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think he knew God that well. Mm. So. Yeah. But I don't think he had a clear understanding of the gospel mm. and salvation. Uh, but I believe God, in His grace, gave my dad an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the last moments. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I think I had a good dad. Mm. And I'm very thankful, look forward to get to knowing more about him when I see him. Yeah. Okay. Dad, this was a great interview. Thank you for all the things you shared. And we will we'll continue with, uh, I think, next time with Leo and your relationship with Leo, kind of that second second dad you had. Yeah, I would say Leo was my, Leo was my stepdad. Yeah. Even before I recognized him or used the title dad. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Oh, took me a while. Uh, I'll get into that later. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, Dad remembered a story that he forgot to tell about electronics. Okay, well, it was just one more interactive story with my dad. Here again, my dad in his workroom and and me watching what he's doing. Now, my dad grew up in a time we didn't, I mean, if you had a radio, it 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 was a big radio. It had tubes in it. It was plugged into the wall, whatever, and that was pretty good. But when my dad was growing up, the radios were even more crude. And what at, at any rate, <clears throat> there's something you could do. It was called 
it was it was called a crystal radio. Um, and you, my dad, I'm sure made these as a kid because that's the only way he was going to have a personal radio. They made these little crystal sets. Well, it was a little earpiece which is made out of some kind of hard porcelain type plastic. It was a more brittle plastic than the plastics we have today. Anyway, it's a black earpiece. And I think they used to be actually a heads, part of a headset. But he, he had a lot of just, you know, part of the headset. You know, <clears throat> little black ones. You'd screw the cover off and there'd be a, a round, <clears throat> I don't know what you want to say, about a, maybe about a two inch in diameter, or an inch and a half anyway, around i'm just trying to describe the technology but uh it was a round flat disc metal disc the whole headphone was you know I mean, didn't have great fidelity a little bit tinny but anyway that was that was old parts that my dad had in the basement so he made this crystal radio <clears throat> and i gotta describe the radio it's a little square maybe about two by two um, there's a place where you hook a couple of wires and then you've got to hook one wire. One wire is via your antenna. You can bet onto anything. Just a wire. And the other wire, you try to find a ground somewhere. A, a pipe. Something to as a ground. <clears throat> and then there's this little arm that has a little wire pick in it. And, it's, and it swivels. So you can move it like this. Uh, too bad you can't see my finger move. But it's... It, this little arm that's kind of swivels up like and down. Like a teeter-totter. Like a teeter-totter, yes. And it has a little sharp, like, they called them, a, a, I think, a cat whisker. But it was a little sharp, like a needle pointed. And then there was this cup that was made out of lead, but then in, the, in that lead was some kind of a crystal. And you'd poke that little needle point around until you found a spot on that crystal. that It would work like a diode is what it did. Somehow, with this antenna and this ground coming in, this thing would somehow rectify that. So you had your two, I remember you had your two wires from your little headset hooked on, and then the two wires from the antenna and the ground, and somehow the current flew through that crystal, and somehow you got in your earpiece, you could hear the strong radio station in your area. If there were two of them equally strong, you might have heard two stations at one time. But we didn't, in deep here, the big strong one was WBAY. And if there was another one, it was it was a lot weaker and it didn't bother you too much if it was a little bit in the background. It's, but you could hear quite well this one radio station. And so I remember my dad made a couple of those crystal crystal radio things for us. And I had and a little head thing to put flat against your ear. But my dad had one. He called it a fixed crystal. I didn't know what a fixed crystal was. I didn't know where you got one. I think it was some kind of a diode, but he called them crystals in those days. A diode is something that will only allow electricity one one way. Okay. It only allows electricity one way. <clears throat> in other words, alternating current can't go through it. Only Only the positive could go through. At any rate, somehow that that makes this work. Um, and my dad had something where he didn't have to he didn't have to move a little cat whisker around to find a spot on on there. And but some spots you'd find you could hear the station, but it would be not very loud. You kept hunting around till you found a spot where it was the loudest. It, it worked the best. 
But he he must have had a little diode of some kind, but he didn't call it a diode. And with you hook that in there instead of this this thing that he made, which is probably what he made as a kid. So that's why he made that for us. Um, but he had one at his bed, in his bed, and he had it hooked up one alligator clip to the radiator. And but he at all times he had this by he had this one of these little uh, earpieces. You could it was pretty flat, so you could lay it on your pillow and lay your ear on it. That's what he'd listen to at night. He had a little radio. He could listen to WBAY radio in bed while he was going to sleep or whatever. Did you guys not own a regular radio? We had a regular radio, but you know, wasn't my mom's in the kitchen. She's listening to what she wants to listen to. Oh, okay. And we didn't have a bunch of radios. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, later on, of course, I had a radio, and I even got my eighth grade. I got my first transistor radio. Mm. It was a Sony, and Sony was top notch then. That was the brand to have. That was a good. Uh, at any rate, uh, so that was that was an experience getting a, getting a little crystal radio set that I'm sure my dad made when he was a kid. That's what he made probably as a kid. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever parts he could find, and he made a couple of those for probably Steve and my brother. Now you could in those days, you could go to the dime store, and I bought one or two of them. You could buy something. It was made out of plastic, and it looked like a rocket ship. It was shaped, you know, just for the I don't know. Space was big deal, and then days going to space, whatever. So this was shaped like a rocket, just to be a for whatever reason. It had some kind of a, it was just an antenna, I think. You just pull it up. It didn't tune the station or nothing, but it did have an earpiece you could stick in your ear. It wasn't flat. You could stick this in your ear, and it would stay in your ear. And uh, and and it did have a wire, though. You had to clip it on somewhere for an antenna or whatever you were doing, or maybe for a ground, and maybe the other thing sticking up was the antenna. I think that's the way it was. And I bought one of them, and that, that worked better than the crystal radio. <laughs> That sort of was a fixed crystal, really. Yeah. That, that 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 worked pretty good. Could you build one of those now? A crystal radio? I probably could, but I don't know what I'd use for a crystal. I mean, I could make one now. I'd just go get a diode. Mm-hmm. I should make one just to see if it still works. You should. And uh, But nowadays, with all the signals being digital and all that, I don't know if they're... An- I guess there's still analog radio. There's no... Analog TV's gone. Yeah. Analog is, yeah, I don't want to get into that. But uh, I, if I get the time, maybe I'll, I should try to hook up, just hook up an earphone and an antenna and a ground and put it on a diode and see what I get. Yeah. That's the best I could do, but it might work. It, it might pick up a strong AM station in the area. Mm-hmm. We'll Never see. know. Now you got me thinking. Oh, boy. Okay, so that's well, another technology Welcome, story. Mom. From my dad. That trim's not going to get done on the house, Mom. Not today. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> not today. Before the snow flies. Oh, my. I Maybe before the electric bike. <laughs>